Welcome and thanks for listening to the Spirit of Time podcast. It's a spirited discussion of watch topics and some of the cool bon vivant stuff that overlaps our hobby, especially fine spirits, craft beer, cocktails, and wine. In other words, if it's boozy, smoky, sudsy, or smooth, we'll probably talk about it. Think of it as a watch-focused happy hour for your commute. We are your hosts. I am Matt. I'm Greg. Thanks for listening and enjoy the episode. All right, everybody, welcome back to Spirit of Time Podcast. This is Matt flying. I'm not actually solo today. I have another sort of guest co-pilot. Um, pretty stoked here because this is a long, long time coming. We've had uh, Bro, Bro Dinky from Wrist Cheese Radio on, and we've had Spence from Whiskey and Watches Podcast, another one of our sort of, I, I guess we would call it the Watch Pod Alliance but we have never had buzz and we have the buzz man on. I have the buzz man on <laughs> as the, uh, as the co-pilot, the navigator, the bombardier navigator for this episode. How are you buzz? It's good to see you doing great, doing great. Glad to, glad to be here. Glad to co-pilot, uh, grab, grab the yoke and, uh, you know, that way. Yeah, it's, it's excellent. Can't wait. Yeah, let's do this, man. Well, hey, uh, you know, this is usually where me and Greg compare notes about how awesome our weather has been and not to rub it in, but seriously, <laughs> our weather today was insanely good after the Rose Parade yesterday in the Rose Bowl. Today was like, this is incredible. That's now, 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 okay, we, we have had unseasonably warm weather. So I, for those of you that don't know, I am originally uh, from the North Coast of America uh, off of the shores of Lake Erie. Uh, near Cleveland, kind of in between Cleveland and Erie, Pennsylvania. Uh, and down here in Cincinnati, we always joke, I just like mercilessly tease uh, our neighbors down here that this is indeed the South because it seems like it's always five to 10 degrees warmer uh, than, than where I grew up. Well, we, we went back home um, for Christmas and even up there, it was some days cracking 50 degrees which is a far cry from, you know, the, the times that we have like three feet of snow on Christmas. So it's been a very unseasonably nice down here. Well, 50 degrees, even the winter time is enough for me usually to put on like a long sleeve shirt and shorts. And <laughs> when I was a kid, I used to work at the airport, right? I was, you know, worked for airlines and, and did stuff. And usually it was like two in the morning outdoors in all weathers. Now, granted in Southern California weathers, but I mean, you know, Southern California winter, you know, it's, it's pouring rain and, you know, maybe the OAT is like, you know, 42 degrees shorts, shorts and a, and a, a big, uh, you know, like parka and a ball cap. <laughs> Let's do it. See, so you were the shorts guy. Yeah. Cause every, everyone's got a shorts guy. I mean, we did in high school cause we had uniforms, but college, Right. There's one guy who's wearing shorts in all weather and like northern Indiana, there, there's not as much snow as what I'm used to, but there's plenty of cold and ice. But yet shorts guy would be trudging down the quad in his shorts. Yeah, exactly. Probably he's got his sorrels not quite laced up. Right. You know, like, <laughs> you know, and uh, <laughs> a big parka on. You know, maybe a hat and yeah, uh, cargo shorts and like, hey, buddy. <laughs> I, I also um, 
have a, a, a friend that works at, at one of our vendors in upstate New York and, and his shtick is never wearing a coat. Um, and he like one of his favorite hobbies is going snowmobiling in the winter. Still never wears a coat. I mean, a sweatshirt every now and then, but he's just not about babysitting the coat. It's not, not about it. He doesn't need that. That's just a heathen practice. I don't, I mean, shorts is one thing. Now in, in all fairness, I mean, when I am joking with myself here about wearing shorts all the time, that was a work thing, you know, that was literally, it was the work uniform. Um, and I don't do that every day, you know, in the winter, but we've had an incredible day today. So all of which is to say, that's usually what we do. And I guess technically that's what we're doing now, but why don't we get right into this, man? This is a watches and booze podcast and technically so is yours. Why don't we start with you? What is on the wrist? What is in the glass? What's the poor check today, Buzz? Absolutely. All right. Well, let's start on the wrist first. Um, this was on one of my wrists uh, on the last episode of whiskey and watches. I have my brew retromatic. Uh, I, have the one that's the the nice green dial, the the yellow uh, seconds hand, little minute pops of uh, of orange uh, all all around on the uh, every five minute track. Retromatic, uh, like everything that Brew does. Honestly, like I don't know if there's now. I'm going to preface this by saying we've met a lot of of really excellent people over the past several years of being in, uh, in the, the wide world of watches. Um, but for my money, probably one of the sweetest dudes out there is John at, at, uh, at brew. Um, just, uh, really great at what he does. Um, excellent designs and you can tell it's there's just this like pure creative love for everything um i don't know if you caught that uh his instagram story on on christmas eve was like a uh, public service announcement that if anyone in the new york city area uh wanted to order a brew, he would do delivery uh dressed up as santa and i um you know, you could have removed all of the identifying information on there, and I would have said for sure uh, that, that it was John. So, yeah, I'm a yeah big big fan of this. Like, uh, yeah, because it, it's it's kind of uh, outside of the normal for a watch, right? You, you've got that uh, square ish cushion ish uh, case shape and the um, you know the wild bracelet. Um, so I don't wear it all the time, but every time I do, I, I think, yeah, you know what? I got to do this more often. So it was still wound up enough and I grabbed a kind of funky uh, shirt that I like what, that has some green in it, uh, to go work today. And I said, you know what? It's retromatic time. That's the way to do it. I've heard that about John. We do not know him, but everybody says that he is just the coolest guy. And the designs are great. I mean, that watch to me looks very like, uh, you know, early mid seventies Omega. I think they did like a, a TV dial cosmic or a TV case yes. cosmic and, um, a few others too. You know, there's some really cool stuff. So that's if, if you can make that and have the format be not overblown. So it feels like it's a huge marshmallow kind of thing on your wrist. 
Um, I'd love to see one in person. No, nobody in our circles has one of those. Bummer. I, I might have I to. Mean, I, I might have to take the plunge, dude. Yeah, <laughs> reach out. Have him on. He's he's a, a wonderful guest. We've had him on several times, and just uh, yeah, in in an industry that has plenty of of wonderful people, and that he, he's near the tippy top for sure. Um, the other thing, and I think that this is a micro brand thing. Uh, I feel like the micros are just utterly excellent at playing with color and, and, and good creative stuff that you think like maybe it's kind of far out there, but actually works super well. Um, so, and that's, you know, the, this uh, green and uh, yellow kind of combo it's like that, but I bought it off of our friend, uh, motor John and, um, yeah, just, just sweet, really fun. It, it's, um, this is a hobby that can get, uh, dizzling, dizzyingly, worryingly, like unwisely expensive really quickly. Um, Absolutely. But, but, um, yeah, it, there's also a, a ton of of excellent fun to be had for very reasonable prices, you know, with stuff like this. So, yeah, yeah, those are those are my my uh, my praises of of the brew uh, uh, retromatic, a hagiography, uh, right if you will. Well, that's so. the uh, that's the wrist check, man. What have you got in the glass? All right, so we got got the cocktail coupe uh, going tonight. I saw that. That is fancy, brother. So I um, excellent coupes can be had at Williams and Sonoma, and the only way um, that that I knew about this was uh, one of my good friends, uh, one of my best friends actually, he lives up outside of Cleveland in, in Shaker Heights, and is a just a classy dude all around. Um, not sure why he hangs out with me. Anywho, he uh, he had a, a set of these, and he's like, "Yeah, they're they're not like overly expensive or anything. They're very reasonable." And uh, yeah, it, it's amazing how much more uh, pleasurable a cocktail is out of the proper glass. Um, so yeah, and I, I was I was telling my wife as I was mixing the, this cocktail uh, before coming up to record. Um, this is a spirit of time, all right. The, peop- the people are not just—they—they they are not just expecting watch stuff, but they—they they want me to come correct with some bon vivant stuff. Okay, we need so, that bon vivantery. Exactly. Take exactly. it up a notch. The vivantometer is is running. <laughs> as much as I wanted to just pour a beer into my garmish Sulfondertiare um, mug. Which Dude, we, that would have worked, though. It would have worked. It would have worked. Maybe the next time I'm on, if there is a next time. Um, but yeah, I, I mixed up a Boulevardier. Um, I did that because I've had my share of Manhattans recently. Uh, so I needed to uh, uh, make a drink that's just slightly bitter and refreshing. Yeah, that looks good. <sighs> and. For the uh, for the record, I can absolutely concur. The 
uh, cocktail coupe from Williams Sonoma is good kit. I was shopping those um, a few weeks ago when I was buying a few gifts for my mother-in-law. You know, I um, picked up a few new, uh, you know, pretty good kitchen knives for her, and was thinking about getting like a set of two for us. I've got so much glassware now in my bar cabinet that I've got to start thinning stuff out. I've got all these, you know, branded, um, you know, beer like you know moss and. Mm-hmm you know, uh, uh, pint mugs and all kinds of things from, you know, local breweries. And like you, I have, you know, the Garmisch Stein and all that stuff. So my wife was kind of like, eh, why don't you thin that out, thin the herd a little bit, make a little, you know, real estate up there. Cause it's, it looks a little ridiculous. So we'll probably do that in the spring, do a little spring cleaning, pack a few things away and, and get some proper coops. Cause that is the stuff. In fact, the cocktail that I have would be perfect in a coop right now. Yeah, it, it um, hi, highly recommend it. It's a uh, it's a delightful, uh, thoughtful gift for for anyone that remotely likes uh, drinks. Um, it's got got the buzzy seal of approval. I uh, I made this one uh, with Buffalo Trace and uh, Method Vermouth. Uh, a wonderful. I heard that you got co-host. some of those on your last oh. episode. You got the method vermouth and I'm very jealous. I I've, I've only had that once about a year or two ago when Greg and I won the challenge, <laughs> right? <laughs> yep. And, uh, we, yeah, we, for people listening, if you know, go back about, uh, probably about 30 episodes ago, um, we had a, uh, East coast, I, I don't know if I'd say East coast, a Midwest, West coast, uh, Super Bowl challenge when it was uh, it was Cincy and the Rams, right? Yes. Yeah, and the the payoff because we our Rams won that. The the guys at Whiskey and Watches sent me and Greg the Method Vermouth, which is excellent. So I was so wondering good. if you use that. I did listen to your last episode. I know you got some of that. Very cool of you, Spence. Incredible. Yeah, the, those are. Uh, I, I I shared. That and the uh, the giant two pounder of uh, Marina Fibri cherries, I, I I shared that with uh, one of our our friends. I go, oh yeah, Spence, you know, gave us those for for uh, Christmas gifts. He goes, did, wait, did I get that backwards? Then Buzz, did you give? Um, did you get method for the guys or did somebody no, give Spence, it to you? Spence gave it to us and the cherries because he's okay. uh, he's a wonderful guy, even though. Um, I hope he doesn't listen to this because I don't want that to go to his head. Um, you know, uh, yeah, I, I brought uh, the bamboo cocktail skewers. Uh, if I was a little bit more forward thinking, I would have grabbed some cocktail coops too, maybe next year. But yeah, yeah I Method Vermouth, if you, you have it in your area, guys, check it out. Um, it's, it tastes, so incredibly good. Look, I'm an enjoyer, not even an enthusiast. So I, I'm not going to be able to put actual words to flavors and stuff like that. Too much bomb vivant for for your boy Buzz. But um, I, I, it's delicious. I love the fact that uh, uh, it's made in New York State. That uh, a fellow domer uh, owns a company. That was a great episode of of the Whiskey and Watches podcast probably about a year ago, I think at this point, uh, where we had him on, uh, to talk vermouth, um, 
But yeah, really, really uh, delicious. It will make you channel your inner. If you have, you may have a little small bit of uh, society matron in you that is like just <laughs> wanting some sweet vermouth, maybe with a splash of club soda. Well, this is the vermouth uh, to get. That will unleash your, your that inner uh, society matron archetype in you. Uh, but yeah. Yeah, it's uh, great. I tend to, on uh, Boulevardier's, I, I take a half measure of the Campari instead of a full um, because that's a full. I mean, it's good, and I do that every now and then, but overall, I, I like just more of the um, slight variation and not like the full-on bitter um, of the full measure. I find that with um, Negroni's, for some reason, that that the going two one one on those works a lot more for me. I, I'm not a big clear uh, liquor fan, um, but there is something like in the middle of the summer uh, with a Negroni. It's just like it's it's bitter and refreshing. Um, Dude, try this if you've never done this. Do a uh, a tequila Negroni. Hmm. Hmm. I'll have to try that. Yeah, that's a that's. A staple in my house. Yeah, yeah good stuff. And nice. fun way to show off, you know, if you um it's a completely different thing than gin. I think yes. gin does work better with, you know, uh Campari in particular, just because it's, you know, there's so much of the uh kind of the herbal component there, you know, to match the the citrus. But yeah, with I think with like regular brown booze, you know, um, yeah. The 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 Campari is a little overwhelming. I agree with you. Okay. Although I do like Campari by itself at times. Yeah. Um Yeah, it, it you got to be in the mood for it, right? Yeah. So I I do want to share. I I don't remember if I've said this on our own podcast or not. Um I've had another uh, excellent uh, variation on a Boulevardier. Uh, deep in the, not in the wilds of, of Kentucky, but deep in the interior of Kentucky. Um, it There is uh, the unusual Negroni, uh, but it works well as a Boulevardier also, uh, where you use uh, Lillet and Aperol um, okay. to, to, to modify. Highly recommend. I, we, we, my, one of my best friends uh, and I, we were at a, a cocktail bar. And um, it was very cool. So in like uh, essentially in, in their small downtown kind of in a, honestly, it reminded me more of a house, right, than a, than an actual like storefront. And uh, the, this one barkeep, she was manning the whole place solo. It was phenomenal. And people were not like ordering a Bud Heavy, right? Everyone was drinking, drinking booze and most of them cocktails. So she was, she was busy. But, um, uh, you know, she's like, oh, you like Boulevardiers. Have you ever tried this? I said, oh, no, never. That sounds phenomenal. Let's try it out. I drank it. I said, you know what? That's great, but I don't want to be hasty. Let's have another two or three just to make sure. Yeah, you, you can't just make a snap decision like that, Buzz. Mm. You need additional data points. You, you absolutely You're an engineer, do. you know. 
Yeah. I am. I am. I know that the central uh, limit theorem that uh, a sample size of about 32 tends tends to uh, perfectly model the underlying population. I could not drink 32. Um, so I, 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 I try to make the quality engineers that I work with proud and got as large a sample size as prudent. And, you know, I just went with it. Um, That's exactly right. <laughs> Dude, I love that. Well, hey, man, that's yeah, what uh, about you, dude? What's on your is, wrist? Here I am yammering. Well, I, wha- I'm waxing the, poetic. Uh, we're, we are recording on a Tuesday evening, and we know what Tuesday is. I've got the Speedmaster hat on. So I'm wearing the other significant chronograph in my life, not the Speedmaster. I don't know if you can see this. This is the uh, the Tutima Team- military chronograph. I was so going to say that. Yeah, yeah, ausgezeichnet. Yeah, zum <laughs> Wohl, yeah. Yeah, this thing is um is really really cool. Executed in titanium. I have a, a buddy, um, Jason. I hope you're listening. He's got the steel version, which I think has a better bracelet. But the titanium, this is a big watch, and it wears really well. Um, I tend to wear this one because the 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 crown and the pushers on this are so recessed. It, you know, it's it's not really a a visual like identifier on the left or right side of the case. I mean, obviously they're there. You know, you look, you can see them. But I can wear that watch on my right wrist if I'm you know doing anything like uh, you know working on my pond or something like that. Um, this watch is supposed to be pretty water resistant, but you know it's also like the better part of like 35 years old. And uh, I'll throw it on the right wrist and just forget it's there. You know, it just, it wears so good and it looks pretty good. So yeah, but it's, this is the, the famous, uh, Lamania 5100 movement. Um, I've talked about this watch on the, on the pod before. And a lot of people, I'm sure if they're into sort of, uh, neo vintage tool watches, this is basically a, a stalwart from the eighties and nineties. Uh, Tutima is a, you know, a German brand, um, formerly based in Glasuta and now based in Glasuta again. And they make some really great stuff, but this was one of their, you know, the thing that I think probably put them on the map for the modern collector. And that 5,100 movement buzz, as you probably know, is the one that's got the, the center pinion, both chronograph seconds and elapsed minutes. And it's got that little, you know, kind of characteristic orange airplane hands for elapsed minutes. Mm -hmm. And that's really, really a good thing, you know, for, um, quick visibility and quick acquisition of elapsed time on a chronograph. You know, instead of having to look at this tiny, tiny subdial, this is just so much more visible and a better system. And that 5,100 movement is very robust and cool. And I love it. So um, first off, uh, non sequitur, I wonder if enthusiasts of uh, Lomania movements call themselves Lomaniacs. Um, I think I have heard that before. So probably I, somewhere, I, if yeah. not, they should start doing that. Um, I yeah, I um, second that the the how the stacked um, chrono seconds and chrono minutes is how excellent that is because my uh, quartz um, Breitling um, uh, Colt chronograph actually has the same setup. Oh, cool. And one of the one of the sub dials is uh, fractional seconds. Um, oh, neat! It's yeah, it's it's big fun. I um, 
yeah, it, it's it needs to be seen, right? Um, so does 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 your movement um, when the chronoseconds gets back to twelve? Does it tick over on the minute, or is it constant? Is the minute hand constantly going? It's no, it's um, it is not a discrete jump. Okay, yeah. I, I'm thinking that that would be rather difficult to. Uh, to to build in and that would have kind of blown my mind if indeed it uh, worked like that yeah like a, a deadbeats minute kind of thing yeah exactly i mean everything is doable with enough space and um sure you know, nothing is impossible just the trade-offs make it uh impossible right exactly but so yeah this I, is- I really like that one that's uh I've seen plenty of, of pictures of it. Yeah, I've done a, um, and I got to get back to it, but I would do these, you know, uh, I don't know what to describe, how to describe them. They're, they're almost like, you know, comic book action vignettes, you know, of, of different watches kind of like in, in imagination projected forward in C2. Like what would, what would the person wearing the watch be doing? You know, if they were going to war with the, you know, the Soviet horde back in like 1990, had the wall not fallen, something like that. But uh, so this watch was a star in those and I need to redo those. But that's the watch. And in the glass I have, this is just, uh, you know, your basic rocks glass. And I've done this before, but with a different spirit, this is in the holiday season. My wife does this thing where she just gets a big mess of whole cranberries, you know, about an inch deep in a, in a, you know, like a 12 inch saute squeezes in a bunch of uh, uh, fresh citrus, a little bit of salt and sugar, and just heats mm. that thing up. And once they start kind of bursting everything, I guess, you know, will will break down and reduce skins and all. So it's all like all of that stuff and it forms this kind of syrupy reduction that's like sweet and tart. And then we just, you know, put it in a jar and it goes in the fridge and it lasts like a week and it's the base for stuff like this. And so when we have like little kids over, it makes a fun kind of a base for like a little mocktail, you know, uh, uh, Shirley temple ish. Um, but without it being grenadine, this is basically, um, you know, one third, one third, one third club soda, that reduction. And then this is four pillars gin. It's just, you know, a, a basic gin and the, the gin goes well with as again, that, um, you know, uh, uh kind of piney, you know, uh, aroma goes really well with something like cranberry. And in this case, my wife sort of riffed on it instead of doing lemon, um, lemon juice as the citrus component. It was a, a bunch of clementines that we had that the kids weren't eating. So she broke those down <laughs> and it's a little bit more like orangish. Um, yeah, so very cool. And, you know, here it's been, you know, granted it's, it's well after sunset here, but it's been warm enough today. I've got a little bit of ice and it just feels kind of festive, but you can do this depending on how you want to, you know, juice it up a little bit, no pun intended, cause this is juice, but this this goes with gin you can take it one direction and go with gin you can take it another direction and go with rum you know with some maybe some bitters and uh you know something else you can put vodka in this it just however you want to whatever spirit you have on hand it's amenable to just about everything except maybe not so much bourbon but yeah but it's good so that's what i got 
Uh, that's that's excellent. Yeah, there's there's nothing like those um, fun little seasonal riffs. I mean, I, I was uh, reading someone's Substack recently that was pointing out that um, a lot of decorations um, originally really tied to the seasons. Like, I mean, the whole reason that people make wreaths uh, around Christmas is that well, pine trees are the only things that are, are green. And if you bring pine boughs inside, they have a pleasant aroma and, and, and cheery, make things a little bit more cheery, right? When, when the weather's, uh, you know, turn, turn bad. Uh, so fun, um, things like that, you know, around some of the points, I mean, it, it never gets all that gray and dreary out where you are, but, um, yeah, it just elevates things, right? Yeah, and, totally. And, and mocktails, yeah, kids love that stuff. We, for, yeah, I mean, uh, we don't call it that for them, but it's that's exactly what it is. You know, if we've got like a, you know, it, it it's just like I said, it's a, a different alternative to something like making a Shirley Temple for a five year old kid. So, yeah, they they just want something like completely, utterly different and festive, and it's it's really fun. We have these tiny little glasses that my wife, I think found at maybe uh, Goodwill or something years ago. Um, and I mean, if, if you could fit two ounces in them, um, I'd be surprised, right? I mean, they're just, they're, they're tiny, uh, stemmed glasses and yeah, we, we put a little, um, little, uh, cherry in them and sure. splashed a little bit of the, uh, cranberry, um, ginger ale that's out this time of the year in there. And the kids just had a blast. They thought that was so cool because it's fizzy and it's red. What? It, and then what? there's a cherry in it. You know, their little minds were blown. Uh, and they just oh, yeah. had, a, had a grand old time with it. Yeah. That's it, man. Clinking well, glasses. What? It was oh. hilarious. <laughs> Well, dude, you know, I, kids love that stuff, dude. That's, and that's what's, that's the fun part of this. You know, when we have family and friends with little kids visiting, my kids are older. I mean, mine are like 18 and 20 and, you know, to have the little kids around is, it's fun to entertain them that way. But I want to take us down a slightly different direction before we go and talk about like watches and stuff like that. We, I don't know if you have any left. I'm going to offer one or pour one out for the fallen brother for Rico. Yes. Rico's watches podcast is no more. Um, Rico, I don't know if you listen, but uh, we're going to miss you. He was, he definitely had had carved out a pretty good niche for himself over the past year with like the tactical stuff. Yes. And you know, uh, I thought he was doing a pretty good job with it. So I think you're making the right choice though, Eric, but here's to you. Absolutely. Here, here. It's uh, yeah. When I saw that post that he was, uh, uh, kind of suspending things, um, you know, that's, it, that's a prudent decision. You know, you've, uh, life, uh, always has, uh, busy times and not so busy times. So, um, you know, all, all the watch stuff is fun, but in the grand scheme of things is not very important at all. Um, you know, when, when compared to stuff like, uh, like uh, family and children on the way and stuff like that. So best of luck, brother. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, hey, dude, let's talk a little bit about watches. 
it's 2024. Um, it's kind of cliche because literally everybody talks about it, but we haven't yet. At least Greg and I have not yet. So I'm going to do it with you. What are some of your resolutions? Do you have your eye? I mean, you could probably wander really far afield, but do you have your eye on any one or two things this year? Yes. Um, we, we did a little bit of resolution talk on, on the last episode of, um, of whiskey and watches. And I actually really like that we're hitting that again because it's helped focus my thoughts a little bit. Um, I want to consolidate um, and not even, not even that, like if I look at the dollar value of the stuff that I have that I don't wear often, it, it's not outrageous. Okay. So it's, it's not like I can consolidate and pick up something like, that's uh, just super freaking cool and, and heavy duty, right? For it, but um, I, I've kind of got to either make a point of doing the rotation a lot harder, right, and starting to wear some of these the, some of these watches, or consolidate, or a little bit of both. And I feel like, okay, mo- most virtues are. Are, are a mean between two extremes, right? Uh, courage is, is not uh, kicking anyone's ass and picking a fight with everyone. That's that's foolhardiness, right? And that's not never getting in a fight. That's cowardice. It's, it's in the mean between two extremes. Um, so gotta sell some of them that I, that I I know I just won't get um, more wear out of, and then um, make an effort to wear the other ones. Uh, whether that's you know maybe using getting some uh, straps, you know something or a different bracelet, right? Stuff to kind of liven that up. Um, but I think it's ridiculous that I've got a an eight slot watch box completely full, and I typically wear two or three. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it's just something. I feel like I need to to shake things up a little bit. So that that's the main thrust uh, of of what I'm what I'm going t- toward, um, and then as far as acquisitions, um, part of me wants to kick off uh, the uh, pact that we made on on whiskey and watches of once one of us purchases a uh, Omega constellation or an Omega constellation, depending on when it was produced, um, that, that the rest of us have to buy one within a year of the origin of the original purchase date. Um, you know, part of me wants to do that. That's always fun, right? Forcing your friends to, to spend money and, you know, make, make well, good. It's, all of us, you know, Money, no object. I think everybody, like in our little friend group, wants one of those watches. Yeah, like, we're, yeah we're, like, everybody does, and it's one of those. It's not quite to the level where it can be. And this is kind of this was, in a way, was going to be even one of the things that I was going to talk about as a resolution. But screw it, let's just go there. That the um, the constellation is just such like an it's not slept on. I don't know what the the term the kids use, but when people are are holding up things like the admittedly excellent uh, Alpine Eagle, you know, as a great like let's say a a great elevated everyday sports watch that is is clearly you know a nicer than average thing, but it's it's not 
you know, a trilogy or a Trinity watch, I should say. It's not a Rolex. It's 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 its own thing. It's something different. How are people not talking about like an Omega constellation in the same way? Yes. We've been beating that drum for years on the podcast of like, right. There's been this, this renaissance of like stainless steel integrated bracelet sports watches and like, what are you doing marketing people at, at Omega? Um, because you've had this, this thing that fits the exact description of what's hot. You you've had it for decades. It's, it's sweet. Like is someone asleep at the wheel here. Like I, I just, I, I think it, all logic would have had that be so much more popular than it is. And I know that like, um, in the East it's, it's actually a pretty popular model, but yeah, I, I imagine buzz they're probably whoever is, you know, maybe in North America, it's a head scratcher, but I mean, you know, globally, I, I, my understanding is that it sells very well. In, yeah. in the Far East, as you say, in the different um, East Asian markets, it's extremely popular. So they probably chalk it up as a win in Switzerland. Oh, exactly. They're like, this thing is amazing for us. You know, we don't have to do anything. But, it, but there's the, a lot of room to grow here in North yeah. America. I mean, doesn't it blow you away, right? Because like, if you know that you have this like absolute hit on your hands in one, in one of your um, regions, like, why do you not just expend a little bit of marketing budget to to try to make it catch in other regions? Like, yeah, it, it especially when the overall market trend in in North America is, is toward that sort of a watch. Um, it just it just begs belief, and it's funny too because like when you think of it, um, the uh, to sell PRX, right, like. It's the same sort of thing, a radically lower price point. Um, same sort of thing in insofar as it's a stainless steel integrated bracelet sports watch, right? Not right. Uh, yeah, same basic format. Yeah, same same format, right? So, I, you you have a very uh, discrete data point that no, it, it's not just it's not just Royal Oaks, um, it's not just Aquanauts that are hot. It's not just even Chopards that are hot, but like, you know, it's, it's not just five digit uh, price tag sports watches that are hot. You know, it, it's even the PRX, right? Which is a, a very reasonable uh, three digits for the price, no comma needed. Um, right. So, <laughs> yeah. I, I, so there is a lot of appeal to uh, to picking up one of those bad boys. Plus, um, I, I am I tend to like um, buying watches used. Uh, so far, knock on wood, uh, I've not had a bad uh, uh, situation or anything. Um, you know, nothing like off has come up i've never been ripped off i've met some really cool people um you know that they still dm with and and text and stuff like that so it it has been a a lot of fun from that standpoint and you know you you can't uh 
you can't argue, uh, especially when I don't baby stuff. So I'm going to yeah. put, put scratches on it anyway. Like, you know, why the hell not uh, get something that's pre-scratched for less? Well, let's go down to the nitty gritty, dude. I mean, if if that hypothetical constellation crossed your transom, like what would it look like? You know, uh, neo vintage, older, you know, kind of more modern, um, you know, are you going by, by tone? What's yeah. the word? Like by metal? Uh, you know, all steel colored dial. What do you think? It's um, okay. So for the longest time I had my eyes set on, I liked the double Eagle, but the later double Eagles uh, that didn't have the double markers at um, three, six and nine, um, the early and middle double Eagle, uh, ones had these double markers and boy it just that did not scratch me where i itched something they, they look too heavy a little too clumsy um but the later ones just have the the same markers all the way around um so for the longest time i, I was i was into that uh, i saw the current generation i've seen that uh at at the ad and I do like the bracelet slightly better because the small polished um, links that are in between the wider links have um, they, they don't go completely across, right? There, there's like um, well, do uh, you do you gap. like it better when they don't or when they do? Because the, I think the the terminology that I hear is full bar or you know full yeah. width bar. Yeah. So, I, I like I like the more original where they're not the full width bar slightly better after okay. seeing it in person. But then also realizing that like the um the Manhattan the constellation Manhattan model actually all of a sudden starts looking really good. Um and and those um you know are a little bit more svelte. Those look uh pretty sweet. I know it, it Spence has had the, the love of the uh, the two tone Manhattans for a long time, so I, I feel like that uh, that that might be a little bit uh, too much, like uh, crushing on his sweetheart to to buy one of the two tone <laughs> ones. But um, yeah, it, well, dude, what if his sweetheart had a twin sister? Yeah, that's a good that's a good question. That's a really good question. Maybe yeah, I would not let that stop me. In fact, I'm I'm looking it up because I. I'm thinking of, uh, I was thinking of a different, a different look for double Eagle. So I just pulled it back up. I'm like, oh yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about with the, uh, the Roman and Roman, Roman track inside and outside. Those are hot. Very, very cool. Yeah. They're, um, the, the current generation has some really fun dials also, uh, with the texture, I think they call them the lozenge dials. Um, really like because i mean we've when um when you've bought a bunch of watches and i mean i I say a bunch and definitely a bunch for a normal person i'm sure as far as watch collectors go I'm, i'm fairly pedestrian and tame um but i do realize that i i do not uh super artsy dials don't do it for me so like grand seiko i they, they blow me away what what they're capable of but it doesn't get me revved up um as much 
but um, subtle texture and stuff like that is very, very cool, right? So, I mean, like like the this uh, Retromatic that I've got on, it's a sandwich dial, and there's a bunch of essentially holes in the top uh, plate of the, the sandwich, and it gives just a really pleasant um, texture and depth to it. So, um, or, or my, um, my Breitling, uh, uh, Colt chronograph, the, um, the sub second styles actually have, uh, like record, uh, grooving. Yes. Uh, like snailing. Yeah. Just, it's just, um, the small things really do it. So those lozenge yeah, styles are It's visually sweet. interesting. Yeah. 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 Some. Yeah, I'm I'm browsing right now the the double eagle like the 38s and stuff like some of these things are just killer and I I think Spence kind of harps about the thickness I personally don't mind I mean as long as the whole thing is like well integrated <clears throat> I suppose there is a point where it's something just gets to be too much of a stack but I've I've seen them I think they're pretty good uh, that for me would be very high on my list too as as just a it, realistically, it's probably not going to happen this year just because it feels like it's in a good way. It's like a Rolex date just. It's always there for you. Yes. So, you know, it's kind of uh, the only thing, though, is I, I would want to get one of these things before like the rest of us plebs figure it out that like, hey, you know, these are these are basically like six thousand dollar watches for like, you know, twenty three hundred bucks. <laughs> and so we better do that this year. Maybe that's a good a good thing to do for all of us and, and so, let everybody fight it out next year. Cause what do you, I'm sorry, I'm going to take us down a different direction. What do you think is going to happen to pole router pricing now? Yeah. It, it, so here's the funny thing. Like it, the pole routers went from obscurity to hype, hype ish status, right? They started to get the attention that, that they, they, definitely deserve right from from the hodinkis of the world um so you know prices went up a little uh, but yeah i i don't know i guess i don't have a good enough sense to understand just how many of them are still extant um right because any anything that was that far in the past, I mean, there's no matter how many you made, there's going to be some attrition, right? Stuff that uh, broke and never got fixed, lost, all, all that good stuff. Uh, but yeah, they, they've got to be going up, um, you know, with, with the um, universal this acquisition, universal yeah. bright Neve, uh, <laughs> you know, cause it, it, it there's going to be a pull router, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, I um I think that they've got to do that, right? I think that the obvious first thing to me is I think the the pull router makes the most sense, but the it, it, emotionally, right? Like that's oh, yeah. that's the play. But I think in terms of like the the ease of introducing a new watch, I think it has to be a new three register chronograph. They and they just drop a B1 in it. Yeah, you already you know, have or, the movement exactly exactly if they can keep the size reasonable and keep the aesthetics good they they can do it i think otherwise they're going to be reinventing the wheel unless they can get you know the um the basic three-hander 
from well i know i guess maybe they can because they you know tutor is is doing like a black bay 36 with an a kinesi movement i think right and if that's the case then maybe they could i don't know do you think if they did a pole router would they keep it like you know 36 37 or would they would they fatten it up a little bit i could see upping it a little um not a whole lot right they they are out i look i love i love breitling um I, I'm not, I'm probably one of the less sketchy boys that, that owns a Breitling, right? And probably one of the least sketchy Breitlings out there, um, you know. So no, so no no fears that your mild-mannered buzz is like some private military contractor type. But um, we, we, we are out of the um, early 2000s, everything is uh, ginormous era even though i love it and i look back on that fondly i still wish that i scooped up a uh, a steel fish um, dude i had the, the blue dial steel fish like the x plus or xl or whatever that was you know the big one the 44 so choice yeah that thing was the dial on that actually was really well executed well yeah one one of the the guys in our local red bar has has one and uh it's phenomenal, right? Like, uh, if you if you were a sketchy boy and doing sketchy stuff, if your your piece jammed, you could just bludgeon the guy to death with uh, with the watch. You know, it's uh, kind of like a, yeah. a sidearm that rides on your wrist. Um, but we we have seen that they um you know they've they've gone uh, to the vintage, gone to the back catalog, and they've made some like very beautifully sized um stuff there. Uh, um, their super ocean heritage, um, uh, what the Rouleau uh, bracelet is absolutely gorgeous and sweet at, at 36. I'm trying to remember the, the name uh, of the one with the really cool kind of um, inverted uh, bezel. That, that, was that the that 57? And yeah, 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 that's what it is. They did the like the rainbow colored one, and yeah, yeah those are great. Those are sweet. Those are yeah. sweet. It's it's almost tragic because Stockton I, got one of those, didn't he? He did. He did. Yeah, yeah. he was he was the one that that uh, tipped us off. Like, go check these out. They're 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 balling. I. It's almost tragic because. In particular, Breitling's got got some really, um, really good stuff coming out, and, and to a certain extent, this is the case with Tag as well. But they yes. both have they they both have some kind of like there's kind of a hangover, if you will, from from years past, where I, I, I feel like. Um, your average collector, not necessarily your average buyer, but your average collector is going to think like, oh, well, you know, I mean, man, this thing kind of seems expensive for uh, for a Breitling, for, for a tag. I mean, we, we've used those exact words on our podcast. Um, yeah, if you think that, I'm not casting any aspersions on you, but they almost have to, I feel like some of the new stuff they've come out with uh, is really good and they they've priced it like it's really good where in reality they maybe need to price a little bit less 
actually um, accurately to how good it is, right? And kind of over deliver for a little bit to. But- yeah, as much as people complained about the what Grand Seiko did over the course of about ten years, I mean, they were absolutely, definitively, were a bargain. Yes. you know, for years. And then once, you know, they have a pretty good audience, whether, you know, there were internal pricing pressures that forced things to go upward, or if it was a part of the strategy to, you know, kind of improve the brand image and, you know, price can be, uh, tied to, you know, brand image and brand equity and stuff like that. But, um, you, I agree with you. I think they probably could take a couple of these things like the glass box, you know, and some of these, um, uh, you know, even the stalwarts, like let's say, uh, uh, you know, the Monaco and just, you know, shave off a thousand yeah, and, you know, and let it ride for like the next 24 months and get people talking about them again. Cause they're buying them that those watches are great. And to your point, like the, some of the brightlings, the, um, oh, come on. Uh, you know, the, the chronomats, the ones that are not huge, mm-hmm. Um, on the Rulo bracelets, those are amazing. The so, two-tone watches are amazing, and they there's no place for it really in my collection right now. But th- th- I would absolutely would love to have one of those. Yeah, the the Rulo bracelets are really clever, and um, just the the utterly fine adjustment that you get when the pitch of of each link is so small, uh, and also it's it's um, to me. Um, that there are really only so many patterns uh, of bracelets out there, right? And the vast majority uh, of it is is some oyster variant, right? Um, so when you see something that's um, so far away from the typical pattern language of bracelets, and you see it like executed really well, um, yeah, you just you you just you'll you love to see it and you want to root for them. Um, yeah, I would, I would love to see, um, what they could do with, with a long-term strategy like that of taking a little bit of price off and ramping it back up. Um, I mean, you know, that's, that's what Toyota did with Lexus and, um, to for a giant amount of the uh, luxury car buying um, population, I mean, Lexus beat the Germans at their own game, right? Like, so it it, it does work if you are willing to commit to, um, you know, just commit to a great um, strategy like that. Yeah, it 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 makes me wonder how much the influence, you know, of the the group level decision making would prevent that. But it I think that would make especially in the case of something like, you know, Tag Heuer at LVMH, you know, they're they're clearly I I think kind of the outlier in terms of like perceived quality or like awesomeness for lack of a better way to put it. You know, Zenith is it's it's a very, you know, respectable cool thing and uh, Bulgari and all that, um, you know, Tag Heuer has to play some catch up ball, right? And yes. whether they're making good watches or not, the reality is some, there are people, as you say, who have that quality hangover, 
not not even from execution wise, but the design quality. You know, right. there was, you had a few good gems, but a lot of schlock. And now, you know, the number of gems are is increasing and it would be great if they were they were priced more accessibly just so people would take the plunge. Yeah. You yes. know, buy those watches. Anyway. I think well, that so that yeah, I mean that would be interesting. Um and, and just really shortly, because I want to hear about about your um resolutions. Um we, we took a big long meander. I think we kicked that off with Connie's. Um Yeah. I I also could see myself uh, getting some manner of an Uh I was out at uh, Skyline Chili because right in Cincinnati, uh, Cincinnati chili is is a big thing. And yes, it's like a meat sauce. It's not like a traditional chili. Don't at me, bro. Um, it, it is delicious. Uh, chili dogs are delightful. Anyway, uh, we were out uh, out to eat, and the guy in the booth next to us had uh one of the oris um uh the uh the pro pilot line looked like it had um they've got like a million fun complications with, with those uh, I, I could definitely see there is some sub dial action no no stinking clue which which one it was i didn't i thought about being like that weirdo that's like Hello, stranger. I like your Oris Pro Pilot. What a delightful wristwatch! But I, I thought against that. Yeah, I thought. Oh, dude, you that. know I would have supported that all all day long. I um, I do that fairly often. You know, whether I'm in like the line to pick up some food or well, I think I even sent a picture on the group chat. Right, I was at I was you know picking up meat at the butcher, and the guy at the counter next to us on the fishmonger side. <laughs> you know, had a, uh, a Pelagos and I'm like, dude, yeah. let me see that watch. And, you know, just out of nowhere. And, you know, we talked for five minutes. I got a picture and, and I think a new listener, if you're listening to this and you're the dude who, uh, works at the Whole Foods in Pasadena, what's up, man? Hell um, yeah. So yeah, I'm, a I'm the guy of that, most of both fish and watches. That's right. <laughs> a lot of respect there. So yeah, I definitely would have done that. Um, I would have, if, if not for the fact that we're like sitting down for for a meal, and I have my family with me. If I was, yeah, it's it's easier when you're by yourself running errands or something like that. If you're if it's two dudes standing in like neighboring lines yes. to check out at you know at uh, Home Depot or whatever, that's a that's an easier play, right? So yeah, but. Yeah, they they um they they've got a lot of a lot of fun stuff there, um like the the two tone aquas kind of I I like it on the rubber especially um that that kind of calls out and I just that God I mean I I could probably. I don't know if I'd have to like narrow it down to three different ones and like flip coins and judge by how uh, disappointed I was at the result. Like, <laughs> but, yeah, it, it would be a very difficult decision cycle. But 
but yeah. Well, Oris is fun, man. It is cool when you see him out. I think the the Aquas is, which is how I say it too, not Aquis. I don't know Oof, how, how no. some people pronounce that, but um, those are, I think, a tremendous amount of fun. We had a couple of those in for review. The littler one, right? The 36, 36.5, the Mother of Pearls. Yeah. so cool i think the only issue i had you know I'm, I'm a fairly like skinny guy although i gotta lose my christmas weight um but i've got a big mitt like relative to the size of my wrist i mean i have this like massive paw and <laughs> it is it's the the smaller watch has a a clasp that is kind of to scale so when you <laughs> open that thing up the relative increase in the size of the aperture that you get your hand through is not sometimes not big enough for me to get my hand through it and then close it down and have it fit reasonably well. Like it's a little, it has to be jangly. Like I can't get it tight enough. If I do, like I can't get the thing on my hand, you know, I can't, you know, get it on the wrist, but they're such good watches. That would be another one where I'd be like, yeah, put, put the little one on the rubber all day long. And I'm a customer. I bet my wife would wear those too. She tried the the green one and the pink one and really liked it. Yeah. They're, they also, um, just a, a, a good crew of people over there. So, oh yeah, big, yeah, the best big fan. So yeah, um, that's, that's kind of where, where I'm, where my head's at. So I'm, I'm really interested as far as your, um, sure. resolutions. Well, dude, it's not a resolution so much. I mean, I, I think by necessity, I'm probably going to consolidate a little bit as well. And I'd kicked this idea around for the better part of a year and I haven't settled on the exact direction I want to go, but, um, I've really become like an Omega Stan over the past like five years. And I think what I would do is either do like a capsule collection of Seamasters where I have, you know, maybe four or five watches, you know, with one, like a good representative each from 300, 300M, Planet Ocean, Aquaterra kind of thing. And then with each of those, try to check a certain box, you know, like a chronograph, a steel and gold, a blue dial, you know, that kind of thing, maybe a vintage. Um, that would be one thing. Or the other thing would be to pick one model and have a vertical collection of that. So like a, a 300 M, which is what I have now. And then maybe have like a steel and gold 300 M, you know, one of my favorite, like Olympic LE, get a Peter Blake, get like the titanium, you know, late nineties chronograph when they were still 41 millimeters, not 44. And, you know, essentially have those bases cover it that way. So I think, I'm going to start down one of those two paths. I feel like, you know, a road diverged in a wood and I, um, but I don't see any footprints down either one. So I think, you know, I'm just going to have to figure it out. Maybe it'll be what I'll, I'll start going down the path depending on what option presents itself to me first. Cause right now is a really good time for a good pre-owned. Yes. I, I think both of those are excellent. I, I feel like that's almost like the IRL, uh, like the, uh, illusion of choice meme template, right. That, that both end up <laughs> in the same place, but in this case, that that same place is, uh, fantastic watches, right? Like, um, yeah, uh, it's, 
Unreal. Okay, so um, earlier you had uh, wisely said we probably should start putting our money where our mouth is and and buy some connies before everyone figures it out, right? Um, because I'm old enough to remember when Peter Blake's were ridiculously inexpensive uh, used uh, for for what what they were. Um, I'm also old enough to to remember like, you know, $3,000 used uh, explorers and, you know, five-ish thousand dollar used submariners and GMT masters. So yeah, they, they, they plenty of, uh, plenty of kicking myself does occur. Uh, if, if I ever think too hard about the, the first time that I get into watch, um, watch yeah. collecting i i really should have just went balls to the wall and, and got something really slick because uh uh it would have been an incredible value um but yes i i feel like you can probably hit a little bit of both like what you're saying with the seamasters if you go with every sub collection that i mean there is enough variation there that that you could you could check off um you know some of some of those uh you know like a a two-tone or a um you know chronograph (sighs) yeah you might be able to to hit both of them yeah i mean it it could be done i think the fly in the ointment is always going to be stuff like you know, the squirrel effect, right? You know, like squirrel. Um, and then also things that are like, I mean, we've just talked about the Connie constellation is always out there. And that would be the kind of thing where I could see a good constellation, the right one at the right price, like bumping one of these Seamasters, you know, off of the, uh, the timeline. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I mean that's the main thing is just, you know, balancing like okay, what what would I want to do? What kind of timeline could I allot myself? And, you know, is there anything that I want to hurry on because I let me ask you this. You've been I know I my impression is that you've been into watches of the three of you guys on your pod. Maybe you're sort of like the the senior watch doofus, you know. Um so it, it's funny because I I think that I may have gotten into them earlier. The, than the rest of the guys, but there was also a long period where I was really away from the hobby. Like, and, and for example, um, both of those guys are, are into it way harder than I am. Um, yeah, in, in terms of uh, uh, money into the collection and and, sure. and whatnot. But yeah, I mean, I. You know, well, like, let me finish this and then yeah. this thought and tell me what you think of this. Cause my impression is if you've been into watches since like 2010, you kind of saw, I think a, the hype part of the, uh, the collector verse definitely went vintage. And I would say the past, like maybe four years has gone the other way, you know, modern steel sports, uh, complications, independent, precious metal is back, right? Um, so I, you know, it seems like okay, now is a good time to buy, you know, pre-owned neo vintage and v- vintage because the 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 hype monsters and you know the the tastemakers have kind of forgotten about that stuff for now. Yeah, 
you know, and maybe in a couple of years we'll be able to get, you know, Royal Oaks for under 20 grand again. Um, you know, there were like 14 G's around here 10 years ago. Now it's like, eh, that those days are gone. But, you know, if that, that perception of how things can change as like the, the wheel of, you know, big, big picture societal taste comes full circle where, where will I be on the musical chairs? Like, you know, timeline, what will I have acquired and what do I need to like prioritize based on, I want to basically zig where everybody else zags. That's, that's a brilliant strategy, not just for watches. I, uh, um, I'm kind of a, a, a lagging indicator when it comes to uh, culinary stuff, right? All, all of the uh, the hype beasts were all over the instant pot, like in you know two years ago, a year ago, uh, and it's uh, its star has fallen, relatively speaking. You no longer um, hear people i semi ironically referring to themselves as potheads for for love of their pressure cooker. <laughs> um, but you know, I just recently said, "Hey, you know, to my wife, like maybe we should just look and see if there's any like super cheap around here. Like, I want to try to make some yogurt, and yeah, I know that they're uh, super good for quick hard-boiled eggs. And sure enough, you know, for a pittance, we picked one up. Guess what? Uh, it's gonna work the same as it did if if about a." a you know, two years ago when it was at its, uh, the height of hype. And um, I will enjoy that yogurt just as much as I would have two years ago, right? Um, yeah, you know, just the, the same way you would enjoy like a 3568 reference IWC Aquatimer, you know? Yeah, it's it's 10 years, 12 years out of production. It would look great on you. Yeah, it would. <laughs> and it still tells, still tells time. Yeah, it. I, I do think it's interesting because some some of the neo vintage got a little bit hotter, um, but I also think that some of the eh, just excess money, some of that's flowed out of of the hobby. Right, people have gone back to the the normal rhythms of life and no, no longer. Uh, you know, need need to to pour extra money into into something offbeat, uh, or no longer have the money to uh, to do that. Um, so some some of it's gotten a little bit more reasonable again. Yeah, the Peter Blake that that's one in particular that uh, calls out to me. Uh, the Great White, who doesn't love the Great White? I particularly also like the 50th anniversary, both of those GMTs. Sweet, you know, flyer boys, very reasonable um, dimensions. And um, I, I for one, like the far simpler um, speedy type bracelet on them. I, I don't uh, I just the seven link the- is cool, but. The older watches, I prefer the Speedy bracelet. The yeah. newer, the newer Seamaster Bond, for lack of a better way to put it, the Bond bracelet, the 300M bracelet, I think is very good. Oh, it is. Um, it, yeah. It's awesome. Stylistically, though, especially with those GMTs, um, 
for for some reason, just because there's a little bit more going on, uh, yeah, dial and bezel wise. I, I do like the simplicity uh, of the simpler bracelet. Um, well, I remember picking one of those watches as we did an episode like maybe a year and a half ago, and it was the old one watch question, but the the episode was one watch two you know two ways. So you can either have one watch or one more watch. And my one watch, I think, came down to either like a Zen 103 Diapal, you know, which is a, you know, the titanium chronograph with the uh, the 12-hour second time zone. Or, yeah, the, the Omega, the GMT, the Seamaster GMT with the sword hands. Either that. The 50th is probably the one I would pick, too. I think it looks better. Yeah, I... The, those are both excellent uh, watches. It's funny, right? That the term uh, "go anywhere, do anything" gets thrown around a lot, specifically for like three handers with fixed bezels. But like that sin actually is like a do anything <laughs> watch, <laughs> right? Like, uh, yeah, well, I, I took it into an AD a couple weeks ago, and I'd put it on a really nice. Um, high quality leather bracelet, you know, or bracelet, uh, leather strap, you know, beautifully pebbled. And, you know, visually it compares really well to like a, a Breguet type 20. Oh yeah. It, the, I yeah. think the only thing that Sin can't do is impress brand snobs. And I, but like you, I, or at least I think like you, I, I don't, give a damn i've got one one watch that's kind of like a hey look at me kind of a watch Mm -hmm. everything else i choose i go i try to go the other way yeah yeah it yeah it's hard i'm i'm not i'm not wired in such a way that even if i had the nine grand just in there burning a hole in my pocket like you know, if I had the opportunity to have a Submariner, to buy a Submariner, it, it's a good watch, right? It's, but part of me also would find that very difficult of like, yeah, but there's stuff that has like better excellence at other, you know, things besides being like well-known, right, for, for that for that price. Uh, or you could buy something that is technically as good or better, like you know, the, in the like the Seamaster family specifically, and save a few grand. Yeah, I'm just I'm not wired to um, fall into the the hype beast stuff. Although sometimes I think maybe I do a little bit too much overthinking. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, right, the sub is like the kind of the ultimate perfect choice. It's like the the IBM purchase of watches, right? You just you, people say you can't go wrong because you can't. You really I find can't. I I wouldn't go modern Rolex, um, at this stage of my life just because there are too many places I don't work in an office and there's too many places I can't I can't wear that mm-hmm. just because of visibility and safety. But also there's, you know, there's just, sorry, there's too much baggage associated with it. Um, you know, where something like a Blanc Pond or, you know, a Grand Seiko, nobody, nobody knows what it is. Exactly. And that is ideal. You know, the, the invisibility is the selling point. Yep. 
Some sometimes it's a okay to be the gray man, you know. That's it. Well, hey, bud. I am looking at this and I'm like, how did we, it feels like we've been talking for 15 minutes and it's like an hour and 15 minutes. I, know. I, it I will sort of, I will sort of recap like this for me, um, consolidate a little bit, but mainly for the purpose of freeing up some like emotional space, not, not so much money. Cause like you, the stuff I'm going to get rid of, isn't going to be super valuable, but, um, you know, get rid of, uh, create some room in my head for, you know, starting this long-term collection of some kind of Seamaster collection and, you know, maybe do maybe even just one of those this year. If I start with something significant, you know, like a, a steel and gold or a gold watch, you know, yeah. something like the, the bronze gold Seamaster and that may be it for a while, but just go slow. Um, but I feel like the clock is ticking on Peter Blake's. Maybe they'll come back down to earth, but I think for a long time, those have been undervalued. And I think they're still, they've got some upward movement ahead of them, believe it or not. And that's why, come on. Okay. Once again, uh, Omega, um, we gave you some, some pointers about like maybe do a little bit to make the Connie more popular in North America. It, because as much as it hurts my engineering soul to admit this, um, marketing, it's, uh, so much money is poured into it because it does work. It, it does stimulate demand and, and, and place desires into people's heads where there weren't uh, th- th- those desires before. Um, but number two, give us a modern Peter Blake. Do it. I will most likely i you know i'm not gonna say anything definite about the future uh but i will most likely break my my general um tendency to to buy used stuff for for a new peter blake i just think that would be that would be too too um simultaneously way too easy and like way too good so yeah, from your lips to God's ears, buddy, that would be the thing. I think everybody wants that. I think my guess is they probably say, well, we have that. That's the the Planet Ocean is the modern Peter Blake buzz, but it's not. I Wrong. mean, we all know it's not. Come on. The, Get the, real. The modern Planet Ocean is good, but my heart, the heart wants what the heart wants. And the, what my heart wants is obviously the, the first gen with the orange bezel. Mm. Yeah, those are great. So good. Those are fantastic. But yeah, so yeah, that's the moral of the story, man. Omega, um, they've got some bangers, but they could really do better without maybe not a lot of effort. I don't know what they think it would displace, but that would be that would be phenomenal. And I think the moral of the story, and I'm sure you know other people have said it, but they have like the ultimate alternative to um the hype beast type steel sports watches in the constellation and you know even something like the Globemaster. And granted that's a different animal, but like mm-hmm. the, you know, the the constellation, the way it's kind of configured now, or stuff that's, you know, relatively of recent vintage. Um I think, you know, very much stands up. And because it's got that kind of uh uh which I guess you could say it's not not Bozar, what are, what's the term for it? Art Deco-ish inspired kind of, you know, lineage. I mean, 
it's even kind of in the same wheelhouse maybe as something like Cartier. I said it, people are probably going to, you know, get the pitchforks, but it's a great alternative to stuff that everybody else is, is looking for right now. And, but don't go buy them yet until me and Buzz do. The rest of you just keep your, keep your wallets in your pocket. Let me and Buzz, when you see that we've got them, then you can go flat out and buy them. Wallets at, at low ready. Good credit card discipline. Okay. Let, let, <laughs> let your boys, let your boys scoop some of this stuff up before, before you go for it. Ah, That's I'm, it. I'm just kidding. If you, if you check some of these out and find that you really love them, you, you, you buy it and enjoy it. Damn it. That's what this hobby's about. hundred percent. I think the other thing I would let people know is when you are shopping for these things on eBay, fellas, you're going to see 35 millimeter, 35 millimeter should be read in your head is 38. Cause that's kind of like, maybe not 38, but like 37. That's what those 35 millimeter constellations wear like. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm kind of, of the, um, of the opinion that I, I could see either of those, like, just being wonderful. Um, yeah, either the 35 or the, the 38, the, you know, the, the current one's now at a 39, but good choices abound. Yeah, there's no shortage. We are spoiled for choice there, bud. Well, hey, dude, let's let that be the last sip. Do you have any uh, anything you want to recommend or anything like that? We sometimes yes. throw out like recommendations or suggestions. Yeah, certainly. Um, by the time this is released, we may still technically be in the 12 days of Christmas. Um, so if you've not uh, watched White Christmas, please do. Uh, it's it's delightful. I think I recommended that on our um, our last episode of uh, Whiskey and Watches also. Um, a- excellent musical and um, just uh, just has a lot of heart. Um so highly recommend old, old Bing Crosby uh, uh, flick. Uh, yeah. That's what comes yeah, to that mind is good right stuff. now. Well, th- no, that is good stuff. And as you say, it's the, um, we're still sort of in the, in the midst of it, you know, so it's not too late. It's in our house. We kind of celebrate until the full weekend after the new year. So you know, I still have about four days to go before we start taking anything down. My recommendation, and I feel a little weird giving this because I have not yet finished the book, but I'm trying to read the book before the um, the show comes out. And I say this, I wrote this down and I don't have the sticky in front of me if it's going to be Netflix or Amazon or Apple or whatever, but Masters of the Air. Have you seen this? No. So- the book reads a lot more um, academic and kind of like a history book compared to um, like the Ambrose books, you know, the D-Day and Band of Brothers and that kind of thing. And those books, as you know, informed these big landmark miniseries, The Pacific and uh, Band of Brothers. So this Masters of the Air is going to be kind of a uh, air war over Europe, World War II kind of a thing. And I think they're going to try to bring like the same sort of production and sensibility to it in terms of visually how it looks and kind of storyline. So probably is going to get more into the 
the stories of the individual people here. The piece, the to the extent that I've read so far, um, and I'm well into it, but no, by no means done. You you get looks at these you know vignettes of things of individual people. There's a lot on Paul Tibbetts so far. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of people don't realize, but he he flew in the ETO before he went to the Pacific. Um, and I I suspect that it's going to be a massive hit. You know, we're coming up on uh, this year is the 80th anniversary of D-Day. So, you know, as we get closer to June, there's going to be, I think, a lot of, you know, historical, uh, interesting things coming out. And, you know, the history of the air war in Europe is kind of near and dear to me. So Masters of the Air is my recommendation. Look out for that. Um, It is available. Well, it is available. It is being made from a book of the same name. And I'm looking now to find the the author name because again I left my my sticky notes with the the stuff inside, and naturally this thing is like not cooperating with me here. <laughs> yeah, forget it. Masters of the Air, you're gonna find it, um, but it comes out at the end of the month, I believe, on the streamer. So nice. Yeah, yeah. I, that, I, that'll I could... be your homework is to go find it. I'll suggest it. You go find it. Hey, nice. Yeah, that that sounds excellent. I. Um... Guy, okay. what one of one of the many uh, crossovers or, or similar uh, mutual interests that we have is uh, is, is military aviation. Uh, we're utterly spoiled uh, over here because the um, museum of the Air Force is just up up the road in Dayton, Ohio, uh, and when I. I used to live in Dayton, especially right when I was out of, of college and had, you know, like zero money to my name. There's nothing like the allure of going to a uh, nice air conditioned uh, bunch of hangars uh, over at the base and paying nothing to go in and just wandering around for hours and hours looking at uh, everything from, you know, reproductions of the first lighter, you know, heavier than aircraft to, um, yeah. Uh, uh, F-22 sitting there, right? Everything in between. So yeah, that's, that's super cool. Yeah. So that, that sounds like a phenomenal series. Yep. And it's masters of the air is by Donald Miller. I was able to finally boot up my, uh, my iPad here and pull it up. <laughs> so Donald Miller masters of the air. Buzz, it's been a pleasure, man. It's great to finally get you on uh, on the show. I know we we chat offline and and talk a little bit. It's great to finally kind of meet you in air quotes in pod format. And I appreciate you standing in for Greg, dude. Oh, absolutely. This has been been an utter blast. I'd, I'd love uh, to come back at some point. I'd love to love to you know kind of podcast meet Greg too. Um, but yeah, it's been been utter fun like you said earlier that the time has flown you know it's uh pushing 11 p.m here on the uh the eastern time zone and um you know could honestly couldn't be happier about it it's 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 been a blast so thank you cool man me on. we'll take it easy and here's two uh constellations for both of us in 2024 cheers buzz cheers see ya hope you enjoyed the episode don't forget to rate us on your podcast platform of choice it really does help you can find us on instagram at spirit of time podcast and contact us at spirit of time podcast at gmail.com as always please drink responsibly thanks again for listening we'll see you next time